You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how our own thoughts tie us in knots to the point of strangling the life out of us. Because certainly if you're just making it through the day and that is what our minds are designed to do all the way back to evolutionary times, the life is actually being strangled out of us. And interestingly enough, the way in which we learn who we are, good stuff, bad stuff, perceived strengths, perceived weaknesses, does actually strangle the spontaneity of being a human being out of us. The point I'm making is that life is actually a gift that is given to you here and now. This is where your life is lived. This is where you can put your best foot forward. You can't remake the past. You can certainly create the future, but the future is created on the basis of what you do in the here and now. We've arrived at where we are in our lives as a result of everything we have done or failed to do in every here and now up to now. And what that means is that if we start being different, if we start thinking differently, if we start turning up to our lives in this here and now, the only place in time that we can, then what follows on from that is going to be a different experience of life in comparison to what we have experienced through a fog of thought up to now. You know from previous conversations that our minds are being bombarded with a, a big load of 70,000 bits of buckshot every day. And what might be beginning to dawn on you is that even though these 70,000 thoughts randomly pepper our brain every day, particularly the distractive ones where, you know, a thought can come from nowhere, even though this process appears random, the thoughts themselves are not random. These are thoughts that have been embedded in our subconscious mind from a very early age. The really big thoughts, the really hardcore thoughts, what we would call our belief system. Those really hardcore thoughts were embedded in our subconscious mind, in particular between the ages of two and three. When we learned about ourselves, the world in which we live, and how we need to make our way through this world. Particularly in the third year of our lives, we learned our perceived strengths and our perceived weaknesses. As psychology calls it, our conceptual self was formed. And that means exactly what it says on the tin. It's how we conceive ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, how we think about ourselves. And actually, no, it's worse than that. It isn't how we think about ourselves. It's how other people didn't even bother thinking about us. Because most people, as we know from previous conversations, are mindless. They're drifting through the day on automatic pilot. So even our parents, with the best will in the world, mindlessly said things to us, did things to us, 
that made and left an impression on our little minds when we were two or three years old that created our concept of self. And as I said, it isn't re even really our concept. It isn't even their concept. The whole process is so mindless and automatic. There's nobody to blame, but there is somebody to take responsibility. And that somebody is you, right here, right now. You need to man up or woman up to the responsibility of grabbing your life by the scruff of the neck and starting to live it. You will know from last week in particular, where we talked about the different kinds of ordinary everyday thought, you know that thought strangles the life out of us. And if you think about what I've just said in relation to what happened to us, or indeed for us during the third year of our lives, Generally speaking, the life was strangled out of us as we grew through our formative years. We need to move on from that. We need to disengage the automatic pilot. We need to, as we said last week, let thoughts that hold us back drift on by. Because everything, including thoughts, everything in life arises and passes. And that is why we need to, as I said a minute ago, man up or woman up to live our lives in the here and now, because this life will pass too. We create and recreate our lives when we turn up to the here and now. By virtue of the fact that you didn't really turn up to most of your adult life, like normal people, I'm not saying a single word against you, we're all wired this way, but by virtue of the fact that, normally speaking, we generally drift through life, making it from one day to the next, on automatic pilot, mindlessly, we have arrived at a situation in life, called the here and now, which is the product of everything we did or failed to do in every here and now up to this now. But by turning up to the here and now, now, we change the course of future here's and now's. Certainly we can't go and remake the past. It would be a fool's errand to try. We could learn from the past, but most people wallow in it. And what we need to do is come into the here and now, and by being in the here and now, know what's going on, do the right things, and create a new trajectory for our lives in the here's and now's to come. And that means, as we said last week, disengaging the thoughts that strangle us the thoughts that hold us back. As we explored or began to explore last week, we have all these ideas about ourselves. They are firmly held beliefs, or that's what we think they are. But actually all they are is, as we said last week, thought programs. Those thought programs colour every moment of our existence as long as we let them. And they colour them 
through a process known as cognitive appraisal. And it works awfully, horribly simply. You know, for all the brain power that we think we have, for all the thousands of kilometers of neural pathways that we have in the brain, for all the billions of synaptic connections that we have in the brain, our brain operates awfully simply. We arrive in the moment, our five senses tell us what's going on. We go to our stored knowledge to try to make sense of what is going on and come, with a, come up with our version of reality, which normally is only a pale reflection of what actually is going on, or it may be a very dark reflection of what is actually going on. I worked I worked with a guy many years ago when I worked in the life insurance industry. I worked with a guy who was an expert, and I really mean that, at training salespeople and insurance brokers. He was absolutely wonderful at what he did, but he didn't believe in himself. He could get down off a, a stage after a brilliant presentation and people would come up to him and say, my God, John, that was a brilliant, brilliant presentation. And he would immediately change the subject because that kind of praise either made him feel uncomfortable or didn't sit with his view of himself. Either way, it was his stored knowledge saying, that's not me, I don't hear that. I only hear what I expect to hear and I expect something far less than the praise that is being offered to me right now. I want to explore in this episode how that actually works. So, I've just got down, or you've just got down off a stage, and somebody has said to you, my God, that was brilliant. Now, the words, my God, that was brilliant, that was a brilliant presentation, are, to your auditory system, pure raw data. The syllables of the words and the sounds that they make when they come together actually mean nothing until you ascribe them a meaning. And there is a whole process, a thought-fueled process, that you go through to come up with a meaning to the words, oh God, that was a brilliant presentation. The very first thing that you bring to the party is the mood you're in today. And we're all in a mood all the time. We're all in a state of mind. If you woke up this morning because the alarm clock shocked you out of sleep, then you're in the wrong state of mind and in the wrong mood before your day ever gets going at all because your subconscious mind wasn't fully rested. Your subconscious mind wasn't ready to wake up. You know sometimes how we wake up very early when we're on our holidays, completely refreshed because we are ready to wake up. This is so different from the way in which the normal person starts their day, shocked into the reality of another attempt to survive, to make it through the day. So that is the very first thing we bring to the party when somebody says to us, God, that's a great presentation that you just made. And it might not just be the fact that the alarm clock shocked us out of bed. It could be the fact that we were stuck in traffic or we had an argument with our husband, wife, boyfriend or girlfriend before we left in the morning. It could be that somebody else annoyed us or something else happened that didn't go our way up to the point where we have actually heard and attempted 
to interpret the words. God, that's a great presentation you've just made. So the first thing is we bring our mood. And unless you have set your mind in the morning, cleared your mind to be clear and present, you're going to be in the wrong mood. We'll come back to positive thinking in a later episode, but to be quite honest, positive thinking, being in a positive mood, is just as unrelated to reality as being in the wrong or negative mood. So, let's Let's roll back a little bit and come back to the point where somebody says to you, my God, that's a great presentation that you've just made. The raw data comes into my auditory system and the first filter it goes through is my mood. The second filter it goes through is what I think about myself. Now, before we go any further, I've used a bad word in that sentence. I've used the word think. And the really interesting thing about the study of emotions, states of mind, or mood that I've just mentioned, is that our mood dictates what thoughts we select from our stored knowledge in the here and now. And the thoughts that we select from our stored knowledge in the here and now dictates our mood. Yes, this is absolutely crazy stuff. We're on this spiral. We're going we're being sucked down the rabbit hole of thought moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. Obviously, we have really deep-seated thoughts, self-limiting beliefs, some people call them, as we said earlier on. These deep-seated thoughts play a major role in selecting our mood, which selects our thought, which selects our mood, and on and on she goes. The most fundamental thoughts we carry around with us are the thoughts about who we think we are. So, say my friend, who was brilliant at making a good presentation, had been told when he was two or three years old, or something had happened to him when he was two or three years old that made him feel bad about himself. Say he had got up to present his project at school when he was maybe four or five years of age and somebody in the front row laughed at him standing up in his short trousers. That's actually, by the way, a real experience that I had in primary school when I was five years old. There I was presenting my project and somebody shouted at me, Oh, Hortz wears shorts. Willie Horton wearing shorts. And I had been kind of given the impression by my parents in the early years of my life that I wasn't a very sporty person. I had little legs and that, you know, I should be self-conscious about how I look. Seriously, my parents loved me the best will in the world. They said these things without thinking about the impact they were having on a three or a four, four year old. So say this guy had had an experience similar to that when he was two or three or four years old. And by the way, we're having these experiences even before the age of two or three. Obviously, as a one or a two year old, we have no idea how to filter these. We are not even aware of them, but they, believe you me, are leaving the kind of lifelong impression on you that will colour your experience of reality over and over again until you obviously stop it. So I've heard the words, God, that's a great presentation you've just made. I'm in a mood. I'm in the wrong mood. 
and I'm in a mood colored by my own conceptual self, my own image of me. And obviously I will factor that into the words I have just heard as well. And I may say something to myself like that couldn't be true or he's making fun of me. Now that's another interesting one because the next thing I bring to the party is what I think of the person who has just said that to me. If you cast your mind back to our last episode, I made the point that particularly during the third and fourth years of our lives, we take psychological snapshots based on, for example, the example I gave was somebody being mean to me or bullying me at school. And whilst I take the psychological snapshot of how that makes me feel, if you recollect what I said last week, I also made the point that it gives me an impression of the kind of person who has said that to me, and I use that as what psychology calls a category, or a pigeonhole, into which I will pigeonhole people in later life. And that means, for example, if I meet someone new for the very first time, I have an evolutionary defense mechanism that ensures that I don't waste any of my precious life-saving attention on getting to know a new person. Instead, I put them in one of these pigeonholes. So somebody has just said to me, that's a great presentation you made. I am evaluating those raw words in terms of what I feel about myself or actually what I feel about who I think I am, the mood I'm in at the moment and what I think about the person who has said it even though I've never actually got to know that person and never really met the person at all because I put them in one of these pigeonholes when I met them for the first time and I may well have put them unwittingly, because the whole thing happens subconsciously, I may well have put them in an I don't like this person, or this person every time he compliments me he doesn't mean it, or this is the kind of person who's constantly taking a rise out of me, this, this has to be a joke, the compliment that he is paying me right now. All that is a process that happens in the twinkling of an eye, a process known as cognitive appraisal. The process of taking what is actually going on and using my stored knowledge, my thought programs, to evaluate it so that I can make sense of it. And in this case, my friend who had made a brilliant presentation would immediately deflect the praise or laugh it off. I use a tool that I developed in 2007 and 2008, the Mindfulness Measurement Index. I use it, that tool to enable me get to understand new clients very, very quickly. It is a tool that involves the prospective client scoring 100 statements. And one of those statements is a compliment generally makes me feel better about myself and another one of those statements is I feel uncomfortable when people praise me. This is the kind of stuff that we are talking about and you know as well as I do that we feel like this regularly. We talked last week about oh the thought programs that we have that 
enable us, and clearly that's the wrong word, think that I'm shy or that I would like to be more assertive or that I have low self-esteem or that I lack self-confidence. These are the thought programs that colour our perspective on what is actually going on now. And you know what? The person who said to my friend, God, that is a great presentation that you've just made, could be the person who would offer him the next opportunity in his life that would enable him move towards the life that he really wants. But if he doesn't hear the compliment, or if he deflects the praise, or if he runs away from it, basically what he's doing is allowing his thought programs constrain his ability. Not even just to understand what's going on in the moment, but constrain his ability to live his life to the full. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, now is the time and place that we need to live our life to the full. We cannot allow this process of cognitive appraisal con us into thinking that we know what is going on. Because in doing so, we allow it to blinker our perspective, blinker our view of life, blinker our view of ourselves, blinker our perspective on actually what is going on in the here and now. And in the process, miss the opportunities of the moment. And also in the process, do things that we shouldn't do. Step on landmines that are presented to us in the moment by virtue of the fact that we don't actually see them because we have our blinkers on or our blindfold or whatever you want to call it. We need to liberate ourselves from the thoughts that don't just hold us back in general terms, the kind of low self-esteem thoughts that we've been talking about, but actually hold us back in enabling us gain an understanding of what the hell is going on in the here and now, or more often, what the heaven is going on in the here and now. Life is full of opportunities. You may not believe me, because you, you don't experience these opportunities every day. But the point is you don't experience these opportunities every day because you don't turn up to your life any day. And you don't turn up to your life any day by virtue of the fact that you're simply making it through the day as a normally minded person on automatic pilot, surviving from one day to the next, wishing, hoping, wanting that life could get better, knowing somewhere in your heart and soul that it can't because of your past experiences. And in both cases, the wishing, hoping, wanting, and then the knowing, you're wrong, full stop. At the risk of repeating myself, your past experiences are no guide to the future. Your guide to the future is now, is here and now. As we said a few minutes ago, where you've arrived at in your life now is the result of everything you've done and failed to do in every now up to now. But what you do now is what counts, not what has gone before, what you do now. And the key thing you can do now is pay attention to now. In the very early episodes of this podcast, we did some short little, what some of my clients call mental exercises, because they think bad things about the word meditation. You see, there's another useless thought. We did a couple of little meditations. Meditation enables us to pay attention 
to the here and now. It happens to do so much more than that, and we'll explore that as this podcast evolves too. For starters, for example, meditation does the exact opposite things to the body that stress does to the body. Stress does a load of bad stuff to the body. Meditation does a load of good stuff to the body. Even better than that, meditation does enormously good things to the brain. Meditation enables you restructure your brain to the point where, as we said towards the end of last week's episode, the thoughts that hold you back, these nasty, toxic thoughts that not only hold you back but colour your idea of what is going on in the here and now, those thoughts evaporate. So I want to do a short meditation as we come towards the end this episode. So hopefully you're sitting down and you're not behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> many years ago, this will show you how long I'm, I'm doing this, many years ago I provided my clients with cassette tapes of meditations. And on one occasion, one day, one of my clients rang me and said he'd just run into the back of a car on the Rathmines Road in Dublin. And I said to him, you, you, you weren't doing one of the meditations on the cassette tape with your eyes closed, were you? He said, no. He said, I, I'm not quite that stupid. He said, I wanted to listen to one of the meditations that you could do with your eyes open. And I was putting the cassette in the machine and it fell on the floor. And I bent down to pick it up and ran into the car in front of me. Okay, that was an aside. The point I'm making is that you don't meditate with your eyes closed if you're driving. You don't meditate with your eyes closed if you're running on a treadmill, for example, either. But assuming that you're sitting down, or if you're not sitting down now, find a little time later on to sit down and listen to this short meditation that we're going to do together. Because I want you to sit down with your backside firmly in the seat of the chair, sitting upright with the chair supporting your back, because we're bringing a little discipline to our lives here. And discipline to your mind starts with discipline to your body. So your feet are firmly on the floor, your back is firmly supported, but you're sitting upright and your hands are resting on your legs or on your lap. And I want you to simply let your eyes close for a couple of moments. And as your eyes close, I want you to take a couple of nice, long, slow, deep breaths. And notice how that feels. Don't think about it. We're not thinking here. We're not adding thoughts at all. We're simply experiencing. So I want you to feel with each long, slow, deep breath that you take. I want you to feel how that feels in the pit of your stomach. I want you to notice how it feels in your chest with each breath in and each breath out. I want you to notice how each breath feels in your shoulders with each breath in and each breath out. I want you to feel the air filling your lungs and then emptying from your lungs each time you breathe in, each time you breathe out. I want you to feel the air in your throat as you breathe in, as you breathe out. 
and I want you to turn all of your attention now to the feeling of air in your nostrils as you breathe in and out. The more sharply we focus our attention in any of these little exercises, the more we develop our innate ability to pay attention to the here and now. So as you turn your attention to your nostrils, you might notice, for example, that air is flowing more freely through one or other of your nostrils. I want you to focus just on your left nostril for a moment. And now on your right nostril. If you can't feel the air in your nostrils or if your mind has wandered, take a big sharp breath in through your nostrils. You'll feel something. And just notice how the air feels in the left nostril, in the right nostril, in both nostrils, in your throat, in your lungs, in the rise and fall of your chest, in your shoulders, in your stomach. And know that each breath that you take, each breath to which you pay attention, is enabling you to take a step in the right direction. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.